Welcome to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. My name is Julie Paulston. I am your host, and I am so absolutely honored that you stopped by. Each week, I'm going to be sharing my own personal journey, and I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people that will be sharing their journeys as well, in hopes that we can educate, motivate, and inspire you to live the best possible life that you can. So grab your favorite beverage, maybe a snack or two, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Because at the end of the day, this truly is all about you. Welcome back to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life. My name is Julie Paulston. And once again, I'm so excited that you guys keep coming back week after week. I'm like, I'm waiting for it to not happen. And y'all just keep showing up. I love this. This week, I have a friend of mine who I have worked with in the past, who is one of the most beautiful souls I have ever encountered. She is gorgeous inside and out, has an incredible story to share today with you. And I told her when I contacted her, she she shared it on, um, I think she either went live on Instagram or on Facebook. And the minute she went live, I was like, oh my God, I need you on my podcast because your journey will save someone's life. And honestly, that's what this is all about. So I would like to introduce you to Miss Jamie Henson. Jamie, would you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hi, thanks for having me, Julie, and that amazing introduction. I'm definitely not sure I'm worthy of such kind words, but I do appreciate it. Um, so my name is Jamie Hansen. Um, I have been in the beauty industry for just under 20 years now. And I, <laughs> um, I work in corporate America. I do some educating. I still do a little hair behind the chair. And um, through that beauty industry is where Julie and I connected. So I'm super excited to be here. And um, like Julie said, I've already shared this story. So, um, you know, if we can share it with more people, then let's do it. Awesome. So I always ask everybody the same question at the beginning. And that question is, we have all been in the shit pit of our life. We've all been in the ashes. When is a time that you can think that you were in the ashes of your life that was a pivotal moment and how you rose from the ashes and how is it, how has it impacted the rest of your life? Oh, goodness. Um, so I feel like I've probably had a couple of these moments, but the one that we're really connecting on and talking about today is um, when I was a junior in high school, 16 years old, um, this would have been in October of 2000, um, I attempted suicide. So um, I think the way it works up to it, like um, there was a lot of changes in my family. We had um, some of my bestest, closest people in my family uh, were both diagnosed with cancer and ended up, um, they both lost their battle with that. But I was just super overwhelmed. And I think um, what I've noticed as I've had 20 years to process this is, man, grief is just something that kicks you right in the jaw. And nobody actually teaches you how to deal with it. And especially as a young kid, um, it's not always something you can explain and it's different for all of us. And at that time, I just didn't know how to say like, hold up, 
I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to do this. And for some reason, I, I thought taking a bunch of pills was going to be the timeout that I needed. Wow. So when you went through that and like you were 16 and, and I know I was, I, it's been a long time since I was 16, but I, I kind of remember when you're 16, your emotions are so high anyways. And then to lose close people to number one, a disease that we don't understand that we aren't, you were, you brought up such a good point. We aren't equipped as young people to understand grief and to understand death. What made you decide what lead share with us? What led up to it? Like, what was your thought process when you decided to try and take your own life? So honestly, it wasn't something I had planned out. And I think that's something a lot of people don't really understand, right? There's not always this long path to it. Um, there's not always a thought out note and whatnot, like, and honestly, I can say after taking those pills that I didn't want to die. I just needed a moment. I needed a goddamn moment to like, take, take it all in. So 16, um, I had a very normal family. My parents are high school sweethearts. They're still together today two younger sisters. So, you know, I was the older responsible one. I was very involved in school. Um, I think at that point I would have been like school government and all of the extracurriculars. I had a job. I had straight A's. Um, there was nothing about my life from the outside that anybody ever thought that that was going to be a thing. You know, like I just kind of woke up that day and it was a Friday. I remember it was a Friday. All of my friends were going to the lake and I had a job. Like I was one of the only ones who had to have a job. And, um, you know, I'm actually now grateful that I had a job back then and learned to work early. But when you're 16, you're just like, poor me. And I like, why can't I do that? And so I honestly took these pills thinking I would just get like a long weekend. And then I went to work. Like wait, 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 wait. I missed this part of the story when you, when you shared this before. I probably didn't say it. (laughs) You took the pills and then you went to work. So you literally took all the pills and then said, Hey, okay, well, I popped a bunch of pills. I'm probably going to go in the hospital for a weekend, but Hey, you know what? I've got a responsibility. Let me go to work. Are you kidding me right now? No, that happened. Um, and honestly, like I, logically, yeah, you're going to end up in the hospital. But I, in my brain, it just, the pieces didn't go together. Right. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Connecting the dots is easy backwards. But at that moment, it was just something that maybe I could change the pain that I was feeling. Oh, I think that you just hit it right there is that uh, and, and it's funny because I haven't really shared this a lot. I, I've attempted suicide twice. Um, the first time I was going to slip my wrist and I started to cut my wrist and it hurt too bad. And, and I was like, ow. And then in that moment, that same thought hit it. I don't want to die. I don't really want to die. I just want this pain to go away. I, I, I don't want to feel this anymore. Is that, 
more of where you were with this is you were just, just like you said, you just needed a break. Yeah. I think in general, I mean, heartache and grief. Um, I think they're in that same category. Like it's a silent pain. You can't see it. You can't name it. You can't, uh, nobody can see it from the outside, right? Like you look fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. But like you would rather have a broken arm or get your foot ran over because at least you can call it something, you You know what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. And, and people can see it. And, and I've heard it like women who have been emotionally abused, people don't understand it because they don't see it. It's like, I would rather have you punch me and give me a black eye. So at least I have something to show for the grief and the pain. So what happens? So you take the pills and you go to work. What happened? Oh, well, I worked for a couple hours and then I got sick, of course. Um, who saw that coming? But um also, I guess I should preface this, like I have a sick sense of humor. And so that's how my family deals with things. So I'm not taking suicide lightly one bit. Um, again, this is a story that I've processed for many years. So um, some of the things are kind of obvious and I guess maybe some dramatic humor in that, but please know it is very serious and I don't want anybody to think I'm taking that lightly, but for me, yeah, I went to work. I got sick. Clearly I threw up. And I then drove myself to my friend's house who lived in town. We lived a couple miles out. And honestly, I was just so tired. I didn't even feel sick anymore. I was just so tired. And I was like, I guess I'll just sleep it off. And I mean, luckily her parents knew my parents. They called. My mom came and got me. My parents did. And we went to the hospital. So mom and dad took me to the hospital. And I'm from a very small town in Idaho. And um, small town comes with small medical supplies and, you know, small town doctors. And again, nothing wrong with that. It's just sometimes there's just not enough. And so, um, I remember being in that room and I had to drink liquid charcoal is what it is. And it continues to make you sick. And I think they put it in a Mountain Dew because that's what I drank at the time. And I can just remember the look on my parents' faces and like my dad holding his head and, like that image is burned in my brain 20 years later. Yeah. And I was just like, at that moment, there was just such regret, but there was also some guilt, like, Oh my God, we're going through all this shit. And now I just added to it. So there was, you know, I think there's this moment where you're like, Oh Lord, this is not what I wanted to happen. Right. Um, ultimately I was life flighted out to Montana, which is a bigger town. And Um, My mom went with me. I barely remember this life flight, of course. And then my dad packed things and um, packed up my sisters, I would imagine, and drove over there, which was about three hours. So um, our family at the time met us there because they were just a couple hours away. So um, we like to joke in our family, like we're kind of like the mob. So, you know, we're thick as thieves and Nobody will mess with us or whatever, but everybody shows up when it's really important. So here we were, you know, I'm getting treated. Everything seems fine. Like I just needed more medicine of some sort. And I ended up staying in the hospital for a week, um, moved to the psych area, psych wing or whatever for children. And um, it was a weird thing. I don't know. It was just like, again, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see these consequences, which I think when you're young, it's looking back like, oh yeah, that should happen. 
But at 16, like, I was like, why am I still here? Yeah, I took the pills. I, I, why am I still here? What's going on? Do you yeah. think, do you think that when I think of suicide and, and I agree, it's not anything that's funny. And, and I kind of have that gallows sense of humor as well. And, and sometimes that's the easiest way to deal with it. When we talk about humor, you, in, instantly, I think of like Robin Williams, nobody on earth would have ever guessed that someone who was that wildly famous and that funny and that what we thought was happy could possibly be that sad. And I think a lot of people don't understand that suicide, yes, some of them are planned out, but a lot of the times it's just that grief hits you and you don't feel like you have an option and you don't feel like you have anywhere to turn to because like you said, your family is going through all of this grieving process with, with basic fa basically family members that have been so close to you that have passed away. Do you think that that's part of it is you didn't want to add on to what their grief was by telling them that I don't know how to deal with this? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, as the oldest child, like I quickly stepped into that caretaker role. Um, I, I think my family in general, um, we've gotten better at this, but we don't do emotions. We're not good at that. Like, you know, so, um, there wasn't a lot of talking and I think also, I mean, this is still hard for me. Like asking for help is hard. Like I'm, I like to be independent and I want to take care of myself. And, um, you know, I think some of that stems from other, other issues, but that could be for another day. Um, but yeah, I think I was just like, I didn't want to be a burden when we're already trying to take care of all this other stuff. Mm. So for the women who are listening, who have kids that might be a teenager that are probably going, Oh, holy shit. What do you think? Were there any, like you said, there weren't really any outwardly signs, but were there any behaviors or can you think of anything that would have helped you back then that they could take from this? I think in general, um, we've gotten just better with mental health. So it's never something we talked about. I mean, that's really a last five years kind of thing, I think. So um, I think just support a guidance counselor or support them having an outside source. Um, one of my outside sources is actually one of the family members who died. So, um, you know, I think I had that source. And I could tell her anything and I could talk through anything, but not everybody has one of those. So sometimes you have to find one. And I think therapy, because I did see a therapist after this incident. And at that point, I was smart enough to say what I needed to say to be done with it. Ooh. I didn't do the work, mind yeah. you. I didn't do the work. And I maybe, you know, I'm still working through that. But just let them know it's okay. Like I have nieces and nephews and I just tell them how much they matter every day and they're important. And I am like obsessed with them, especially when we're in person, they get so annoyed. And I'm just like, 
this family doesn't work without you. So if we need to talk about this or if we need to do this or, you know, maybe stuff they don't want to tell their mom, like, um, I mean, I embarrassed them and brought up the sex talk the other day. I'm like, we're going to talk about it. Like, like oh my you know, God. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was hilarious. But, um, I think that's the change in society, right? So if we can continue to put mental health at the front, just like we talk about physical health and, you know, we talk money health and we talk, I don't know, jobs and all the things like, what about the mental side? What about what actually happens on the inside? Because I don't know about anybody else, but that's where I've had to do the most work. And it would have been nice if there was some kind of direction clear back then. It's funny that you say that because I I just did a a Facebook live before I jumped on here and I was talking about boundaries and self-care. And I've said it before and I've said it so many times that, you know, and this is not a knock on somebody's parents. It's not a knock on your parents. It's not a knock on my parents because it's generational. They're only doing what they know and they can only, you can only do what you know how to do. You can't do something that you don't know how. When you're a little girl, you're given a doll, right? And you're told, take care of the dolly, take care of the dolly. So if it's one of the ones where you have to change the diaper and and feed it and all that kind of stuff, you're taking care of the dolly. Now I'm, I identify with you because I'm the oldest. So I had two younger siblings as well. So now we get into the caretaker role where now we're taking care of our siblings. If you happen to be in a, in a family where there's trauma and your parents are struggling, then you become the parent and you start taking care of the parents. So from a very young age, we are taught how to take care of everybody out here. However, we are never taught, just like you said, we are never taught how to take care of our internal self. We're taught how to eat. We're taught how to exercise. We're taught how to do, you know, get a job, get a resume. We're taught how to sew. We're taught how to cook. We're not taught how to deal with things that are going to happen in life. Mm-hmm. Where do you, so I have a question for you. It just came to me. Where do you think that education should come from? Well, I think it's proper use of what we have. So, I mean, think about, I mean, I remember when there was no internet and I remember right? dial up and right. <laughs> and now we have so much information. So I think we jump like, oh, we're not going to give the kids social media or we don't want them to see this on the internet. Or even when I posted my story, I text one of my friends who her kid has social media. And I was like, hey, just so you know, um, I'm going to delete him and you can share this with him, but I'm not going to be the one because that's your kid. Right. So how do we I think we have to teach them how to do it positively. Like we can't take the information away. They need the information. But like, how do we continue to give them the right information and teach them to take care of themselves and teach them to find good sources and know the difference between positive role models and not, and know that it's safe to say, oh God, life sucks. Yeah. I think right now society, when you look at social media and and you hear it all the time, we're looking at everybody's highlight reels and probably going to piss some people off, but you know, if it it wouldn't be my podcast, if I didn't, we've been, I call it, I call it, we've been Kardashianized, bless their little hearts, but everything in their world, 
is is perfect and and yes you go behind the scenes and you see what they they show you what they want to show you and social media is very much like that you only see what people want you to see and the it's okay to not be okay needs to be at the forefront it's okay to have a shitty day it's yeah. okay to be pissed off at your mom and it's okay to be pissed off at your kid we don't have to be perfect and and do you think that that social media and even before so because like good lord I, I could be your mom when <laughs> I was getting when I was growing up we didn't have anything like that but do you think that back then it was the magazines and, and the tv do you think that that has attributed to the younger kids because now we're seeing suicide in kids that are as young as nine and ten do you think that that has something to do with it because of the highlight reels and not the being able to see what really goes on behind the, behind the curtain of Oz. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I, I've thought about it too much. I mean, I'm guilty of only posting the good stuff and trying to build this business and I want to look the part and you know, it's easy for me to like post captions that are like, we're keeping it real. Cause I do. But like very selective of what pictures go on there. And I think just recently, like somebody tagged me in something that was not a good angle for me. And I definitely had my double chin, which I always have. And I was like, whatever, like this picture makes her so happy. And it was such a like it was a good moment. Like, that's just who I am now. So I think, you know, we've got to continue to allow our real selves to be out there. And I think the pandemic really made us all sit and see, you know, who are we and what are we doing? And nobody had a highlight reel. Who are we kidding? So, right. you know, <laughs> you had to post jammies. about your, your <laughs> crappy dinner you made and whatnot. So um, I think the good thing to come out of the pandemic is we are going to be more open and we are going to talk about the hard days. And um, I, I guess I've been sitting on this story of mine for a while and I was really selective of who got it again highlight reel right like I'm trying to build this business and I want to seem successful and put together like I can't show them this side of me and I had friends for like I moved out of that small town I grew up in and my college friends didn't know this story and I've been friends with them for 20 years wow and it's not just like, I mean, I think they're scared of you're going to be judged, but also like it doesn't come up. Right. You know what I mean? You wear a t-shirt saying, ask me about my attempted suicide. Yeah. So I get a, I got to move out and just be whoever I wanted to be. And if this story seemed beneficial, then I would tell it, but I was being really selective of who got it. Right. Like, and then fast forward, the pandemic hit and my family went through some more shit. Um, I was thinking about the other day, I've got three years in my 37 that I can pinpoint are like the shit storms and this happens to be one of them. So, you know, we, we had to really figure out who we were and what we were going to do and how we were going to survive. Um, even some of the technology struggles, you know, um, the kids are preteens and bullying and all of that. And, um, you know, I think social media, you, you bring it home where, when we would go to school, like, you went home, it stayed out of your home. Yeah. Like it can follow you now. So all of these little tiny pieces, I think 
made me decide maybe today, maybe it's time, you know, like it's not who I am. It's a piece of me, but like, I don't know. It didn't define me. And maybe people needed to know you can have shitty moments and still have great things happen to you. And I think with, you know, long, long circle back to your, you know, younger kids, like, I don't think we can necessarily control technology because it is everywhere and they'll create fake accounts and they'll use their friends accounts. And so you have to, if you're around young people, whether it's, you know, in my situation, I'm the aunt or you're the parent or the grandparent or the teachers. Um, I think we just have to like teach them how to navigate through the shit. And honestly, I think grief is really hard. So if you haven't been through it and you don't know how to talk through it, like get online and find somebody who can talk about it. Yeah. Like you, we shouldn't have to struggle with some of these mental, I don't even want to call them illnesses because like, I don't think grapes and illness, but even anxiety, um, depression, all of these things, like there's a resource now at your fingertips. You're not limited because you're in a small town. And I think we have to leverage that in the most positive informational way possible. I completely agree with every single piece of that. I think that we need to make a safe space because if you don't, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you don't, you've never been through that. There's nothing bad with not having, I have a friend of mine who said, like, she's like, oh, she goes, I feel bad. I haven't even been through half of the things that you've been through. I don't wear it as a badge of honor. It happens to have created the person that I am now. I wish back then I would have had the ability to have the technology. And I think if we create that safe space and the people who are listening that have never been through anything like this, get educated, get educated on what is depression? What are the signs of depression? What are some of the keys and the clues that you can look for? And do you think Now we're talking 20 years ago. So obviously we didn't have social media. Do you Mm -hmm. think it might have been different had you had the resources of social media? I think the resources are only as good as the people giving them to you. So if we were prepared to talk about this 20 years, which I don't think we were. No. So I think even if the resource was there, I'm one, I'm going to read self-help books. I'm going to search and find all the things. Um, but not everybody's like that. So I think considering the time period and how we talked about mental health, I don't think it would have changed. Yeah. And and it's funny because when I asked you that question, I was like, you know what, I'm going to almost guarantee that your answer is still going to be the same. And it's, I think that that's comes back to the crux of the situation. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on this podcast is to be able to talk about your story too, because to me, there's a still a lot of shame and guilt around suicide. I think there's a lot of shame and guilt around feeling like you want to commit suicide because people will look at you and go, well, what's wrong with your life? Your life is great right now. Why do you want to end your life? And to me, the, the thought of shame. So when we think of shame, it lives in darkness and secrecy. And, and I think when we tell our story, it lights up 
a part of the world. And I think that it lights up uh, around you and, and it brings other awareness to other people that they're not alone. In yeah. how and that's, I mean, that was part of the conversation with my parents. So when I decided to publicly share this story, like that was the decision we made together. So I had individual conversations with mom and dad, um, both of my sisters. And then I circled back and I go, I think it's time. Are you ready? But if you're not ready, we're not going to do this because this opens up wounds for them too. Right. Um, and I think there is that stigma, right? So I've had conversations and people didn't know that I had attempted suicide. Um, you know, it was selfish and it was unnecessary, whatever the stigma is. And I can't argue with that. That's how they're feeling on the other side of it. Right. But I know I didn't do it because I wanted attention or selfish or whatnot. Right. Like I just didn't know what to do with these feelings. And, um, as we move on and I tell the story, um, I find out like one of my dad's high school friends who was uh, this amazing college athlete had done it. Um, and that made me kind of connect some pieces. Like it's kind of lonely when you're the survivor, I guess. Um, cause you don't talk about it. It's just this piece of me and I'm not ashamed. It is, it made me who I am, but at the same time, there's not a club. You're not yeah. like bonding over it, but what about the parents of somebody who somebody in my situation, how lonely for them. Yeah. You don't talk about it. Yeah. And maybe like my parents, high school friend, maybe like they would see my story and that would help them connect and not feel so alone. And I feel like, I mean, for my parents, especially, I think there was this guilt for, from them. Like, did they do this? Did, could they have done it differently? It was their fault to which all of these answers are no. Okay. So if you're the parent of somebody in this situation who has attempted suicide or unfortunately has committed suicide, um, it's not your fault. And most of the time there's nothing you could have done. Yeah. You're doing the best you can with what you have and you're not alone. And if you need to talk, like I'm here, if you want to see the other side of that, like I, so I share the story and I mean, even hearing from you, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, didn't think that would happen. Um, it was actually, I guess I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Like, I'm just going to put this out there. Right. And I was like cleaning on a Sunday. I think I looked awful and no makeup. My hair was in a messy bun and I'm like, Hey, story time. So I was like, Oh Lord. Uh, it went crazy. I had people reach out from high school that we were good friends. We were friends in college. They had no idea it happened because I literally was in the hospital for a week, went to my grandparents for a few days and then went back to school. I just acted like everything was fine, which is also maybe one of my not best qualities, but um, you know what I mean? Like these are people that were there basically during the process and they had no idea. Wow. I had people reach out, um, on the other side, like their, one of their parents had committed suicide. And so we were able to connect from opposite sides. Right. And, you know, it was just this overwhelming outpouring of love. Um, there was nothing that ne negative that came out of it. Like, I guess I was prepared for some fallout, but there was none. Right. And I think, you know, 
I, I think some people needed to process it because they had just heard it. But like I said, I've, I'm, I process this. It's been 20 years. Right. Um, but I think the biggest purpose of me sharing that story was to show somebody that I love so very much that owning your story is okay. Yeah. And owning your story um, doesn't make you weak or just because this happened to you doesn't make you less of a person and you can still have anything you want in life. So um, you want to go to college, you want to move across the country, you want to go on vacations, you want to have a fancy corporate job, go get it. Yeah. It's one piece of you. It does not define you. And so I think that's my biggest thing. Like if I could even encourage one person to own their story or be brave and speak out, I mean, we're all together in something. Yeah. It's, and I I've said it a thousand times. That's why I started this podcast is because when, and I remember reaching out to you and telling you, Jamie, your story is going to save someone's life. And you're like, what? Seriously, <laughs> our story, stories, people have no idea how impactful a story is. When you share your story, you give people permission to share theirs. You give people permission to be okay with not being okay and realizing that they're not alone in this lifetime. And I think that COVID brought so many people together and it made us very close on social media, but at the same time, we've never been so disconnected. We're completely connected online, but we're so disconnected in real life and mental health has really taken a hit during this because people are so isolated. I struggled with it. You know, we all know what happened with my struggles with it. And so, you know, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you shared your story because it was like instantaneous. I thought I need to have her on here so she can share her story again so that the people that listen to this podcast know that they're not alone. And if you have children that are having challenges, that there are resources out there in the show notes. When I, when I do the show notes, I will have all the links to the national suicide hotline. I will put, you know, links in there for teens. And the biggest thing is, is that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. Just because just, and I love the whole old analogy of, Oh no, don't talk about birth control or people are going to get pregnant. No, no, that's not how this works, Becky. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> just because you talk about suicide doesn't mean that somebody's going to go run out and do it. And the more you talk about it, the more that someone has the ability to say that I hurt it fucking hurt. I don't want to feel like this. Help me not feel like this. Yeah. And I think that's a huge call out. So, um, I mean, January was awful for me. Like I, I think I shared my story in April, so it kind of all led up, but yeah, I had some depression in January and like knowing where I was at that, you know, when I was 16, like that's never happened again. I've never thought about it again. It's never been attempted. Um, but I know I have these limits and when I'm get in my head too far, I'm like, okay, we're going to feel the feelings and you, you can pout for a while, but the feelings and the emotions cannot control you. So how are we going to get out of it? 
And that's where like the circle, I have this amazing circle. I have this amazing family. And I know I'm so lucky and grateful um, that I do have that because not everybody does. And so if you don't like, I, I will be one of those people for you. I will champion you. I will talk to you. I will listen to you. Like, um, you know, the point when I was talking to my parents through this, and this was really hard for them to just know that this is going to be out there, right? Because we're opening these wounds. And I said, it's not about us. What if me putting this story out there, it's shared and it's shared and it's shared. And somewhere six degrees down the road of somebody we never know, if we can help them and their family not feel like we did, then we owe them this story. Oh. I love you so much for saying that. Oh, so much. Thank you. That because that's, that's it right there is that six degrees of separation because you throw a pebble in the pond and you never, ever know how much the ripple effect will happen. I love that. So I have a question for you. I could talk okay. to you all long, but you know, there are people walking and need to get to work. So, <laughs> so uh, I have a question for you. So the, for the person who's listening to this and might be sitting in that ship pit, that might be sitting there going, oh, that's, well, that's nice, Jamie. That's, I'm glad you were able to do it, but I don't, I don't know what to do right now. What would you, what piece of advice, what is the one piece of advice that you would give them to the person sitting in their, in their ship pit? You are important and you are needed. And I am 110% real when I say I am here. Julie has permission to post all of my social media. Um, I run a business Instagram. It's usually the easiest way to get a hold of me. If you want to see the original video, it's posted on Instagram. But it will pass. It'll be hard. It's going to suck. And it's going to suck many years later. But you can do this. I love it. Every single person who has come on this podcast, I ask them that question and everybody has given me a different answer. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Jamie, girl, you have no idea how much I adore you. I treasure you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for spending this time with us, for the people that are listening. If you want to get a hold of Jamie, I tell y'all, I tell y'all all the time, read the damn show notes. It's written in there. Her Instagram <laughs> link will be in there. Um, her Facebook link will be in there. And how to get a hold of her will be in there. And uh, thank you, my friends. I, I am truly, truly grateful for you. And right back at you. I. If you would have said three years ago when we first met that we would be doing something like this, I would have called you crazy, but right. <laughs> I am so grateful our paths cross and you are just such an amazing soul. And I'm so happy that you're the one sharing my story. Oh, that just makes my heart smile. And I am not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. It's not going to happen. So focus. Uh, so it is Wednesday, friends, and you know what that means. That means that we get to slide on into the weekend. I hope you're the rest of whenever you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I hope 
whatever day it is that the rest of it is magical. And remember you are enough. You are so, so more than enough and you matter in this world and your story matters. And the more you share your story, the less shame is attached to it. And you are worthy of a beautiful and magical life. So with that, enjoy the rest of your day. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate you. And remember, you are loved, you are treasured, you are adored, you are worthy, and you are so more than enough. I hope that you were inspired. And if you were, please feel free to download, share, and leave a comment. I would be eternally grateful. Thank you so much and have an absolutely magical day.